the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Keep the noise down. Yeah, that noise you heard yesterday was Democrats and their friends in the media celebrating Donald Trump's fourth indictment. They know they got him this time. He's going to jail. Nothing uh, was actually more nauseating than Hillary Clinton on Rachel Maddow's show Monday night. They were almost giggling. And these two were leading the charge on Russian collusion back in 2016, if you remember. And they were saying that Trump wasn't a legitimate president. And uh, Hillary was saying that up until about 15 minutes before this latest indictment. So I don't know about you, but I get the feeling that the swamp rats down there who are celebrating really don't know how serious this is. So, so what do they think is going to happen on the day that Donald Trump is let off to prison in an orange jumpsuit? Uh, do they think it'll be business as usual, you know, just another day in Washington? Well, 74 million people voted for this guy. Most of them have guns. What's happening to their guy is why we have the Second Amendment. It's not about hunting or self-defense, and there will be plenty of time to prepare for whatever it is they'd like to do if uh, Donald Trump heads off to jail. Imagine a few million people, many of them armed, if not most, showing up in Washington or showing up in cities and towns around the country, and they'll be even angrier than the people who showed up on January 6th. Joe Biden is a moron and doesn't know why we have the Second Amendment. Tell him that it's about stopping tyrants and resisting the government, and he'll ask you, what are they going to do when I send in the fighter jets? That's how much of a moron he is. The Trump haters don't seem to be grasping how serious this is. You know, it might not look like Gettysburg, but there's a good chance it is going to be a civil war if this happens. And it won't be north against south, and it won't be people who support things like the war in Ukraine against, you know, the people who don't. This will be people who think men can get pregnant against people who don't, and people who think parents should have the final say in what their kids are taught in school, and people who don't. People who think gasoline-powered cars are good, and people who want to outlaw them. People who want to eliminate gas stoves, and people who don't. You know, normal people against crazy people. And that's what's been bubbling under the surface now for several years. So which team do you think will have the bigger roster when it's all done, if they uh, try to put teams together? Donald Trump in an orange jumpsuit isn't just going to make for a nice segment on Rachel's show. Rachel and her friends should be careful about what they're wishing for. And when we come back, uh, John Daniel Davidson of The Federalist is going to explain why you're wasting your time if you're focusing on the left's hypocrisy on this issue of Donald Trump's election denials. And in our second half hour, speaking of January 6th, if you haven't heard Tucker Carlson's interview with the former chief of the Capitol Police, you'll be interested to hear what he said about the missing National Guard during all that mess. And wait till you hear the lie the big guy told about Pittsburgh yesterday. Stick around.
Well, the uh, hypocrisy by the Democrats when it comes to denying the results of an election, uh, it's been jaw-dropping, and there are tons of videos out there showing multiple liberals, uh, Democrats, media, uh, questioning the results of multiple elections, the ones that they didn't like, uh, they didn't like the way they turned out. If you're focusing on that, uh, John Daniel Davidson, senior editor at The Federalist, says you may be wasting your time, and he joins us now. John, thanks for coming on. Hey, thanks for having me. So I, I, I really thought your piece was good today, and that's why I wanted to have you come on and talk about this, because I have been spending a lot of time talking about the hypocrisy, as most people have. So what am I and or have I and other conservatives been missing when it comes to the Trump indictments and the whole, you know, difference between what's happening with Republicans and Democrats in the election denial stuff? Well, look, it's not wrong to point out the hypocrisy because it's true. It, it, there is hypocrisy at play here. There's clearly two standards of justice in this country, one for Republicans and one for Democrats. And so it's important to point that out and it's important to denounce that. I think where people often go wrong is thinking that pointing it out somehow is going to change the situation or that you're not supposed to notice the hypocrisy. What my point is, is that the left wants you to notice the double standard. They want you to notice the hypocrisy because what they're trying to do is convey to you that they are the ones with power and you have no power compared to them. So it's not about hypocrisy. It's about communicating what the hierarchy is in this country. And the hierarchy is real. And they would like you to know that. And they would also like you to know that if they can do this to Trump, imagine what they can do to you. Yeah, and I, I, I think I focus more on the media coverage of it than I do the actual you know, Hillary Clintons and, and, and the actual politicians in, in their reaction to it. Um, and, you know, when you do that, you get accused of whataboutism. Uh, but when you talk about the left and being interested in the hierarchy and showing that that's who they are, you, I'm guessing you're also talking about the media, not just the, not just Hillary Clinton and her friends. Yeah, I, at this point, I don't think that there's a meaningful distinction between uh, the Democrat Party and the corporate media. I mean, when you talk about uh, Hillary Clinton, you know, Hillary Clinton's sickening victory lap was you know, on a cable news network, right? Yep, it was on, yep. it was an interview. Yep. Um, so, th and when you, when you also look at sort of the, the, the slate of hosts on it, places like MSNBC and CNN, it's a bunch of increasingly Biden administration and Obama administration officials. So the, the, the media is also part of this effort to convey to ordinary Americans what the hierarchy is in this country. Uh, and we saw that all through COVID when there was one set of COVID rules for ordinary people and another set for the elites. Uh, we see that in these indictments. We see that in the way, um, you know, January 6th protesters, peaceful protesters on January 6th are treated compared to the Black Lives Matter and Antifa rioters. Uh, we see it in almost every aspect of our society. And, and I think people need to understand what it is that they're seeing. And so what's, what do you say is the real purpose of the Trump indictment? Same thing then, right? Yeah, the, the purpose of the Trump indictments is to, uh, is to show that they can do this even to a former president uh, and to convey to people that you are not allowed ever again 
to elect someone like Trump. Mm -hmm. Uh, And if you do, uh, you will be a target, just as Trump is a target and just as the January 6th protesters and rioters have become targets and the justice system will be unevenly applied to you which is how you have these like grannies who just you know wandered into the capital because the doors were open being yeah. having the book thrown at them right um which is how you have the department of justice and the fbi raiding the home of a pro-life uh, you know uh, sidewalk counselor um all of it is intended to convey a message to people that if you're on the wrong side of the regime uh, you, you are going to have uh, problems, and 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 they're going to come after you. And so you better keep your head down. You better do as you're told. Yeah, and so the the real purpose of the Trump indictments is is to you know get that message across. But the, some of the charges, you don't have to be an attorney to look at some of the things in the most recent indictment in Georgia. That they're just absurd. They're laughable. Some of the things that he's some of the things that qualify as. Uh, sedition or whatever it is is being charged with. Yeah. Um, you know, making a phone call or yeah. reserving a room. What you're saying then would li- would mean that they really don't care how stupid it is. They just want. No, exactly. This, that's not the winning. Isn't the point? I guess is what I'm trying to say. Exactly. No, it, it's not the, the the purpose of this exercise is not to like prosecute violations of the law. That's clearly not what they're doing. Because as you say, any idiot can look at the indictment and say this is ridiculous. None of these things are against the law. It's the same with the Jack Smith indictment, by the way, yeah. for January 6th. Um, none of those things are against the law. We have something called the First Amendment in this country. You're allowed to contest the election. You're allowed to say that aliens stole the election yeah. if you want. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not a crime. Um, so, no, the purpose is, of, of this is not justice or upholding the law. Uh, it's not even to file, like, plausible charges. It's to tie Trump up. In, in litigation to humiliate uh, and uh, expose him as sort of like a tainted candidate and to drag this out, sucking up his resources and his time with these bogus indictments. And as I said, to demoralize and put his followers in their place and issue them a warning about the kinds of things that the regime is going to tolerate and the kinds of things it's not. That might explain also Hillary Clinton's glee the other night as though she's already won because in her mind she already did. Yeah, that's right. I mean, to to her, this kind of, you know, the humiliation of Trump in this way is a vindication of her own kind of uh, election conspiracy claims Mm -hmm. after 2016. Um, You know, and it doesn't matter to them. This is when I, you know, going back to the hypocrisy point, she doesn't care that it's hypocritical for her to gloat over Trump being indicted for the same things that she did after 2016. She doesn't, she doesn't spend even one second thinking, Hmm, this is hypocritical of me. Isn't this a double standard? She doesn't care. That is not the point of what these people are doing. Well, of course she's and never I asked about ordinary it Americans. Oh, right. No, I, I yeah. The media is not going to ask her about no. it, but she's not bothered by it either mm-hmm. to the extent that she thinks about it at all. It doesn't concern her. And I think people need to understand that, that what this is about is power. And that's something that the left understands very well. And the right has got to wrap its head around that. So I've been wondering, I guess this is the way I'm kind of I'm a competitive person. And if I'm in a fight um, and someone punches me, uh, my reaction is to punch back. And I know it's not that simple, but what's it going to take for the Republicans to do return in kind? 
something that approaches what they're doing to Trump. How long are they going to sit on this before they play the same game? I don't know. And it boggles my mind that there are literally no Republicans in Congress. There seems to be no Republicans in any of the states, no attorneys generals or governors or state legislatures. And, and as I say, you know, no congressmen that are willing to actually fight back and, and engage the left on their terms and, and compete on the battlefield as it is. Uh, there, there should be Republican attorneys general in, indicting Democrat lawmakers and, and, and Biden and, the, uh, and Hunter Biden all over the country right now. If that's what they want to do, they want to wage lawfare this way, then that's what we're going to do. And, and it's sort of a fight to the death. You know, if we don't, if we don't show them that there's a cost to this kind of lawfare, to this kind of way of waging political warfare, then they will just keep doing it and keep doing it, and they'll destroy the republic. We're talking to John Daniel Davidson. You can find his piece on this at uh, thefederalist.com. He's a senior editor there. Um, you also talk in the piece uh, about something called Operation Poke the Bear, uh, which uh, the theory being that part of this is de- definitely meant to incite the right. Uh, and I guess that comes yeah. back to whether or shouldn't the right, why does that, I guess my question would be, why does the right need to be incited? Well, to justify power grabs, to justify the accumulation of power and the, wep- and the further weaponization of federal law enforcement. You know, January 6th was sort of a gift to the deep state mm-hmm. and to uh, the, the federal bureaucracy, which, which is left wing, which is a, a wholly captured institution of the left. Uh, it was the pretext they needed to criminalize political speech, and they have gone about it with alacrity. And part of what they are doing here with these, you know, really laughable and bogus indictments is trying to provoke Trump supporters uh, into reacting. And the the guy I quote in the piece, James Lindsay, has compared this to sort of the, um, you know, the debate about uh, drag queens and and transgender, uh, you know, events for children, uh, you know, as sort of a dialectical trap that the left runs uh, to say that you either accept that uh, we're going to expose children to like sexualized men in these contexts uh, or you, you react. And if you react, then you're a bigot. And, and what they want you to do is react so that they can say, ha ha, see, we're fighting bigotry. We're the good guys. Uh, and that's part of what's happening, I think, politically with this sort of ongoing persecution of Trump uh, and his associates is that they want the right to react so that they can say, see, Trump supporters are a threat to the republic. We have to we have to oppress them. We have to arrest them. We have to deny them uh, power. Again, getting back to my reaction to seeing uh, Hillary Clinton uh, accidentally, by the way, and <laughs> and Rachel Maddow on uh, the other night, I just happened to stumble upon it, um, and their glee and they're they're basically they were giggling over what you know what was happening to Donald Trump. Um, it also, I, I, after I thought about it for a while, I, I'd like to get your take on this. I, I don't. I don't think that they, not just those two, but the general, the, the the Democrats and the media in general, I don't think they're taking this seriously. Um, 
I don't know if they really think that Donald Trump is going to end up in an orange jumpsuit and be taken off to prison. That's what they want. But do they? Do you think that they really understand what would happen if that happens? What where the country would be? What what would be the next day like? What would the next day be like if if uh, you know if Donald Trump goes to prison tomorrow morning? What what's Friday like around here? I think. Yeah, I mean, that sort of a thing would upset people like you and I to see Donald Trump or really any. Uh, any former president or politician to be arrested and jailed for engaging in, in First Amendment protected speech. That would disturb us. I don't think it would disturb Hillary Clinton or Rachel Maddow or anyone on the left, because I don't think that they believe in, you know, a Repub- in Republican self-government. They don't believe in the Bill of Rights. They don't really believe in, in democracy or peaceful transfers of power. They refuse to to grant peaceful transfers of power every opportunity that they're given. Yeah. Uh, so I I, th- I don't think it bothers them well, what, uh, in, in, in the way it would bother you or I. What I'm getting at, John, is that I don't think they are taking seriously what the reaction might be from not maybe people like you and me, but the right. 74 million people who voted for Donald Trump and most of whom have guns. I mean, I, I don't think it's... <laughs> I, I just think it's going to be really ugly if it gets to that. Really ugly, and and I yeah, think it's. I, no, I, I don't I, think they grasp that. Maybe they don't. Maybe they don't. But they should. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, and, and and then again, as I said earlier, uh, maybe they're counting on that because that will be the pretext they need uh, to crack down on on political dissidents and really turn the United States into a banana republic. The kind of thing that we see in places like Iran. Nicaragua yeah. uh, and and the third world. Well, isn't isn't what they are doing or trying to do to Donald Trump why we have the second amendment? Yeah, exactly. We don't have the second amendment to go hunting no. uh, or to go target practicing. The second amendment is the right of revolution so that if the government ever becomes tyrannical, the people reserve the right of revolution to overthrow the government and establish a just government. Well, I'll That's tell you, exactly right. Yeah, I'll tell you a little quick story. I, I've taken my dogs for my normal walk today, and there's some people I run into there. It's a, a, a park, you know, and they're off leash, and it's in a kind of a wooded area. And I, I saw a couple people who I know are conservative, and they were walking their dogs. And I, I, I made a joke, and I, I started talking about what's going to happen if Trump goes to prison. I said, we're going to have a militia up here in the woods, and, and um, you know, we're going to have training. So just get ready for it. I was kidding. Uh, and there were four people there. They all mentioned they they didn't really laugh, and they all mentioned that we have guns. That's what they said. Oh yeah, we have guns. Three of them were women, of the four, and, <laughs> yeah. and two of the women I, were I, yeah. were grandmothers. Okay, <laughs> that's who's no, out there. I I I I I agree. I don't think. Uh... Yeah, I don't think, uh, you know, people uh, on the East Coast, uh, in Washington, D.C., and New York, in these cable news uh, TV studios and in the halls of Washington, D.C., you know, maybe realize the, how, how many people there are out there who, who are not going to just sit back and let this happen yeah. Yeah. Um, and not, and not uh, you know, fight back. I, you know, that's not to say they're going to sort of like, you know, march on Washington in, as an armed mob, but, but fight back in the way that the fights back, you know, and, and, and uh, it would be great if our actual Republican elected leaders would do that. Uh, but if they won't, then it'll have to be a grassroots 
you know, sort of protest movement. And, and, uh, and I hope it happens. And by the way, one of the ladies said, yeah, my instructor calls me Annie Oakley because I'm so good at shooting the target uh, <laughs> and w- with her little handgun. And the other lady said, yeah, I, have a t- I, sh- I, I hit the target with my, uh, my AR-15 from 100 yards the other day. I'm talking about old, you know, not, I don't want to say old, they'll be, I hope they're not listening, but, you know, they're not young. They're not, they're, 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 and these, that's, who, that's the way they're talking about. The, that, that wasn't happening 10 years ago, I don't think. No, I think I, I, I don't think it was. I think a lot of people have woken up to uh, the fact that they're not necessarily safe from their government, and and that, that's that's a very American uh, attitude, and and there's nothing wrong with it. It's the attitude all Americans should have. Yep. Well, the whiskey rebellion was in this neighborhood, and I'm reading a book about it now. <laughs> that's another story. I um I really appreciate you being on as usual, John. Thank you. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Okay, that's John Daniel Davidson of the Federalist. We'll be right back. Well, I guess the big story still right now, obviously, not I guess, uh, obviously the big story still is um, the indictment of Donald Trump in Georgia and what's going to happen with that. And everybody's wondering about it and people are laughing more and more at the actual charges when you when they see them. When you read them, it's just it's stunning how stupid it is. But it's there and Donald Trump has to get lawyers and pay lots of money and spend time dealing with it. And as our last guest, John Daniel Davidson, said, that's kind of the point of the whole thing, is just to um, distract him, make him have to spend time on that instead of trying to run for president, and getting people tired of uh, they get uh, creating Donald Trump fatigue. And I think that's what, by the way, I think that's what people have to watch out for. Um, if you are starting to think, you know, it wouldn't be a lot easier if he just go away. And, you know, I'm fine with Ron DeSantis uh, if he if, you know, he becomes the guy um, and that's perfectly understandable. And I've I guess I have days when I feel the same way. But that's what the Democrats and the media, that's what they want to happen. That's exactly the point of all this is that here's one indictment. You like that? Here's another one. Oh, you like that one? Here's one more. And then here's one more. And the whole point is it's supposed to create this fatigue, and if you um, are a Trump person, even if you're not, um, what, they're, what, what the, the direction that I think everybody should be going is being more supportive of Trump because that's exactly what the Democrats and the media don't want to have happen. They, they are hoping that, well, they're kind of hoping that in some ways that Trump runs because they think they can beat him. But they're definitely thinking that they want to create this Trump fatigue because if Trump should win the uh, nomination, this Trump fatigue will keep people home. They won't vote. They won't vote uh, in November of 24. So we'll see how that happens. But meanwhile, there's the story of January 6th, which is still going on. And Tucker Carlson, um, in one of his uh, Twitter episodes, I think it was episode 15 uh, on Tucker on Twitter, he did a long interview with the former Capitol uh, Police Chief, Stephen Sund, and he was talking about how he was begging, begging for uh, help from the, uh, from the National Guard. And that, he, he first of all, when he asked for the National Guard, uh, they said no. They said, nah, we're not going to, we don't have it. But I'm going to let you listen to him. This is really good. This is uh, Stephen Sund 
with Tucker Carlson, and he's talking. He starts off here talking about about the presence of the National Guard that he knew was there. 340 were activated uh, for crowd control, not crowd control, traffic control and management of crowds around like uh, metro stations. So they weren't backed up and stuff like that, uh, not for specific civil disobedience. So we knew we had National Guard in there. And, and the Defense Support for Civil Authorities program is if we become overwhelmed, our backstop for law enforcement and I've used up, I used up all my resources and I was overwhelmed, would have been the, the military, specifically the National Guard. So 209, I get approval to uh, bring in the National Guard. Probably 210, 211, my first call, well, I've already called General Walker. Called General Walker at 151. I was like, I can't wait any freaking longer. I call him, I said, send me the National Guard as quick as you can. I'm going to get approval any minute. Because he asked, so you have approval from the Capitol Police Board. And I said, I'll have approval any minute. Please just get them coming this way. So they're within eyesight. Shortly after 209, I talked to them. 234, I get a notification to get on the call with the United States Pentagon. I have to sell my request for the National Guard. I'm on the call with a Lieutenant General Piat, Piat, trying to make sure I have his uh, name pronounced right, and a um, General Flynn is on the call. Uh, and it's mainly Piat that I'm, uh, that I'm speaking with. I, I get on the call, Mayor Bowser's on the call, uh, Chief Conti's on the call, um, and I said, I need the National Guard immediately. This is an urgent, urgent situation. I still remember saying urgent twice. This is urgent, urgent. They got to be looking at the same TVs I'm looking at. Um, I need the National Guard immediately. You know what his response is? Don't like the optics of the National Guard on Capitol Hill. Like, he goes, I would rather have your officers in the fight and we can backfill your officers somewhere else. I said, I don't have that option. All my officers are in the fight. He goes, I'm telling you, I don't like the option of the National Guard. You know, I don't like the optics of the National Guard on the Hill. I said, sir, we're having our asses hand to us. This is life or death. I need assistance immediately. And I still remember, he said, you know, um, my recommendation is not to support the request. And I still remember Robert Conti going, whoa, whoa, hold on. You're denying the chief of the Capitol Police? And um, he comes back and says, not that we're denying him. I just don't like the optics of the National Guard on Capitol Hill. And he goes, I'd rather, and he goes back to that again, I'd rather backfill your people. I said, sir, I don't have that option. This sounds like a setup to me. I'm sorry, it does. It gets better. So I beg and beg, and he goes, well, I'm going to walk down the hall and, you know, we'll, we'll talk to the Secretary of Defense or whoever he's going he's gonna to talk to. Um, right then I get notification. Oh, so I'm still, still on the call. We have the shooting of Ashley Babbitt. And I said, we have shots fired. I still remember yelling over the phone. We have shots fired on the USAI Capitol. Is that urgent enough for you now? Hang up the phone because now i got to start making my notifications. i got to call the uh, Sergeant Arms saying, hey, we got what looks like maybe a confirmed shooting. Do you know when the National Guard finally arrived? 6 p.m. 6 p.m. they're sworn in on post. Do you know those National Guard, the 150 to 180 that are within eyesight of the Capitol, you know what they do with them? They put them in vehicles, drive them around the Capitol, back to the D.C. Armory. You know where the D.C. Armory is. Oh, it's far away, yeah. Wa- Washington, uh, yes. White House is on one side, United States Capitol, D.C. Armory, almost equidistant on the other RFK side. Stadium. Yeah, yeah, by RFK Stadium. They drive them back then, and they send me in the evening trips. Not real. Can you freaking believe it? No, that's real. That's real. And you know what else they do? While I'm begging for assistance, the Pentagon's sending resources to generals' houses to protect their homes, but not me. So you begin to think it seems a little conspiratorial. I can see where somebody, I'm not a consp- you know, conspiracy theorist, but I can see where people begin to go down that rabbit hole real quick. That rabbit hole? I mean, I don't know what the other conclusion is. Because, look, under pressure, people make mistakes and make bad decisions. But you're describing 
a, a systematic denial of intelligence and then of support, mm-hmm. defense, through a whole bunch of different agencies, a whole bunch of different people, all reaching the same baffling conclusion that we're not going to protect the Capitol. Right. Multiple agencies with people with extensive experience, and you're getting this type of response. You know, and when you look at the level of intelligence, it's baffling that nobody put anything out ahead of time. Maybe it's not baffling. I mean, remember, this was the end of the Trump administration. You know, a month, almost two months, two months into a contested election. This is a politically charged moment with ramifications that we're now living through. But um, there's a lot at stake here. This is not just your average protest, correct? Correct. There is. No. Did you feel that? Did you feel a, a a political vibe coming off these decisions at the time, or are you just so in your lawn? Oh no, I was, I was, I was so. I was looking at the cameras in, that were surrounding me with my officers, my the men and women of the Capitol Police, and the other law enforcement agencies. You know, in, in in a fight for their life. All I wanted to do was get them resources. And I, I hadn't and even I, sat back, and at that point, started thinking about the political aspects of it. I, sh- I should say, just because it's it, this is our second conversation, and I feel like I know you at this point. Um, you're not political. I mean, you were a beat cop who rose mm-hmm. and became a chief of police, a very prominent one. And so, but you never, you know, you weren't like working in politics on the side like a lot of these people. No, um, and you'll you'll find if you look through it, and I talk about it in the book, I am I try and be as apolitical as possible. I can tell because I think that is extremely important in the application of law. I'm a rule of law type of guy, but especially being in Washington D.C. and special ops, we did um, demonstrations all the time, First Amendment activity. You have to be apolitical. You got to go in. It doesn't matter. You know, you have a right to First Amendment freedom of speech. It doesn't matter if I agree with you or not. But I have to take an apolitical approach to provide you security. And I believe it's important. You don't need to know what the political leanings of a cop are that's stopping you on a traffic stop. You shouldn't. You should never know that. So I'll always be apolitical when it comes into uh, law enforcement because that's how it has to be. Amen. So um, by the time the National Guard actually show up at 6 p.m., mm-hmm. um, they're not needed, correct? The, the fight. The fight's over. So the whole time they were concerned, they were concerned about the optics of the National Guard showing up. They show up. I have to. My I have an official swear them in as, as special police officers. They take them. They line them up with their shields. All the protesters are off. They line them up with their shields and they take a couple of pictures for military magazines and stuff like that of them lined up with the Capitol in the background. The very optics they said they were so concerned about. They took pictures for military magazines. Think about. It. You can look it up. You can look up on some of the. Uh, go online. Look like up. we're the heroes of January. Yeah, 6th. hey, we're the heroes of January. Yeah, so. You know, and I appreciate my men. I come from a military uh, family. I appreciate the men and women in in, uh, military. And I will tell you, when they finally showed up, New Jersey State Police beat them to the Capitol before the D.C. National Guard arrived at the Capitol. I had D.C. National Guards, men and women, that were infuriated. They were so pissed off that they weren't allowed to respond. They were extremely upset. Wait, cops drove from New Jersey before... The National Guard can yes, get from I'd the put out, armory on Capitol Hill to the Capitol. I'd put out a request, um, a mutual aid request that went all up and down the uh, National Capital region. Went up to. Why isn't this story everywhere? I have no idea. I have no idea. Well, I think everybody has an idea why. Um, that was pretty amazing stuff there. And that was from uh, Tucker Carlson's uh, Twitter show. I guess it's just called Tucker on Twitter. I was thinking about this. How are they going to keep calling it that? It's not Twitter anymore. It's X. Tucker on X doesn't sound right. Tucker on Twitter does. But anyway, uh, that by the way, that guy's name is uh, Stephen Sund, and he has a book out about this. It came out in January, I think, 
Courage Under Fire, Under Siege and Outnumbered 58 to 1. That's the book uh, that he has out there right now. So, And that's up there. You want to check it out. Uh, there's a, It's about a 55-minute interview with this guy. I just pulled off six or seven minutes, whatever it is, of what I thought was really good in case you hadn't heard it or didn't have time to sit down and listen to the whole thing. But it's out there somewhere if you want to listen to the whole thing. Okay, now on to something else here uh, quickly. Um, you know about Donald Trump in Atlanta and the, and the grand jury and all the stuff that happened. The stupid, uh, first of all, the charges were put up on the website before that was actually determined that there were going to be charges. It's, it's a total circus. But way back a few months ago when they, when they uh, formed the grand jury, the jury foreperson, an idiot named Emily Kors, K-O-H-R-S, who I believe won Jerk of the Week here, if I'm not mistaken. She was all over the media. I, I'm going to pay, play you the soundbite of her and just let you know, again, as usual, on radio you can't appreciate it as much because you can't see what this idiot looks like. She's like, I just listen to it. Personally, want to hear from the former president. I wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in? I just, I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. This is, we're talking about the first time in the history of the United States of America that a president is going to be charged, you know, possibly indicted and thrown in prison. And you have this person who sounds like she's a junior in high school. And I was going to get the, do you solemnly swear? <laughs> this is who we're dealing with. This is what we're dealing with in the United States of America. Emily Kors, K-O-H-R-S. And she I'm, she was the, the jury for person. So I guess she was involved in the voting. And, you know, when they she sat there and listened to the testimony, how'd you like to have your life on the line and know that that moron is the person who's not just on the jury, she's in charge of the jury. <laughs> it's just, it's beyond belief. Oh, my. That's where we are. Anyway, on to one other thing here. You know, Joe Biden is Mr. Infrastructure. Remember when he came here to Pittsburgh uh, several months ago and to talk about infrastructure, and it just so happened that the Frick Park Bridge collapsed uh, like a couple hours before he got here? Well, Joe was out selling uh, his his uh, infrastructure and, and bragging about what a wonderful job he's done. He was out yesterday talking about it, and this is what he said to the crowd. By the way, the Pittsburgh is a city of bridges, more bridges in Pittsburgh than any other city in America. I watched that bridge collapse. I got there and saw it collapse with over 200 feet off the ground going over a valley. It collapsed. Thank God school was out. No, you didn't, Joe. You actually didn't see it, okay? Uh, Because you weren't there. You hadn't arrived yet. You saw the bridge after it had collapsed. But you didn't see it. This is this is what people who BSers do. They will take a story, and there'll be a grain of truth in there, and they can't. He just can't. He can't tell the truth. He has to embellish it to make himself look good or to make the story a little bit better. So the only thing he didn't add there was that he used to be an engineer and he built a few bridges himself. That that was the one thing that was missing from that comment. But there's your president of the United States. A bold-faced lie, and I want to see how much coverage that gets on local news, okay? Uh, that should be 
I don't know if that's it's. Uh, I'm I'm going to be a little busy, and I uh, so I'm asking for your help. Maybe let me know on Twitter at Stagger World if you see it anywhere. Just let me know because that should be that soundbite should be the lead story on all three newscasts today, um, because it's Pittsburgh. It's a it was a huge story when that bridge collapsed. It was a huge story. Uh, remember what a, what a nice story it was of how fast they were able to rebuild it. It was a it was a really 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 good local TV news story with great visuals and everything. It's it's something that if you're serious about doing local news on TV, the president of the United States who made big news locally when he came here to Pittsburgh back on the day that the bridge collapsed, it was an amazing story. This guy comes here to talk about infrastructure and it's almost like they blew it up to make him look good. It it collapsed about, you know, 2 hours before he got here. But it's a gigantically it's a gigantic story. And a tremendous story for local news that you could really do in depth. And the President of the United States talking about Pittsburgh, which is news in itself. If the President mentions Pittsburgh, that gets on your newscast. It should. He lied and said that he was there and saw the bridge collapse. If that doesn't make local news, then they ought to just board up all three stations and quit. I'll be right back. Okay, one more time here on this. Uh, i got a couple minutes left. Um, you know, the whole country talking about what happened in Atlanta with a grand jury. That's what it began with, the grand jury, and they heard testimony, and they voted to indict uh, President Trump and a bunch of other people. You all know the story by now. And I just can't, I can't go without hearing this one more time. If you are you're – you're on trial for murder, okay – and you know that there's a grand jury out there that's going to decide whether you should be put on trial for murder. And you turn on your TV to watch Rachel Maddow or whoever this was, and they have an interview with the jury foreperson who could determine whether you, I don't know, go to the electric chair. Here's Emily Kors. She was in charge. Personally, want to hear from the former I president. wanted to hear from the former president, but honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in? I just, I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. Now, I don't know who picked the jury. I don't know. I, I don't know how that's determined, how she, and, and... <laughs> If if the think about the jury first of all they had to they had to select a four person and they picked her. What were the other people like? Who were the other people who you know ran for four person and fell short? Now we don't think you're impressive enough. We're going to go with Emily. We think she's really good. That we need somebody who's going to be really impressive and add to our credibility. So sorry. Emily's the winner, and thanks to everybody else for trying, but we're going to pick her. And she's determining your, what's going to happen to you the rest of your life. That's where we are in the United States of America. I'll talk to you tomorrow. 
three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.